Welcome to the Mount Sinai Missionary Baptist Church Podcast, where the Reverend Leo R. Thomas is our pastor. As a church, we desire to preach and to teach the gospel of Jesus Christ so that all are saved. We hope that you're encouraged by this message. Good morning, good morning, good morning, and welcome, Mount Sinai family and friends. This morning, we would just like to read into your hearing from Psalms 121, verse 7 and 8, and 122, 1, and it reads, The Lord shall preserve thee from all evil. He shall preserve thy soul. The Lord shall preserve thy going out and thy coming in from this time forth and forevermore. And 22, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Amen. And so on this morning, family and friends, we would like to invite you not to just be spectators, but to be participators. So let us grab the word of God and dive in and get after that which he has prepared for us, because the best is yet to come. Amen. God bless you. Praise the Lord, family. I want to give God some praise. In the house, we're here to praise the Lord. We're here to praise the Lord. We're here to praise the Lord. Anybody come to praise the Lord today? Come on and give God some praise. What a blessing, what a blessing. What a blessing it is to be in the house of the Lord once again. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. We give God praise, we give him honor, and we give him glory. For the great things he has done. We're thankful that we have some of our preachers here this morning. We have our audio and video folk. We got a few of the deacons here. We got our praise singers. We have our musicians. First Lady Kim is here. We are thankful. We're thankful that God has spared us another week to come into his house and to glorify his holy name. We got some visitors here with us today. If I start mentioning names, then I got to do that every week. Uh, but just know we got some folk in here with us that we are thrilled to see them. Always happy to have the people of God back in the house of God, even though we are few in number. Listen, don't forget, be in prayer. Add it to your devotional prayer that here in the next few weeks, if the Lord says the same, we're going to come back together. The church will be back open officially the first Sunday in April. Amen. Uh, that's a reason to praise God. Amen. Been over a year. It's been over a year. We are praying that the numbers will continue to drop and that we will be able to come back into the house on Resurrection Sunday. Amen. Uh, what a monumental uh, and momentous opportunity to come back on Resurrection Sunday. So we're asking that you all be in prayer with us. Listen, we have several things we need to be mindful of. We want to be, of course, mindful of the sick, the shut-in. We're praying for Sister Faith Canty as she continues to recover from COVID-19. We're praying for Sister Belinda Harvey, who had a mild heart attack on last week. We're praying for Sister Kathy King who has also been released from the rehab place she was staying at. She's back home. Amen. And um, she is uh, requesting prayer. Praying for Sister Evelyn Mitchell. Praying for Brother James Ridgway. And, of course, continue to pray for Sister Caritha Williamson. Amen. So I'm asking that you all continue to pray for these folk as God has given us the ability 
to stand in the gap on behalf of our brothers and our sisters. Also asking that you all keep Sister uh, Charlotte uh, McGee-Pierre in your prayer. She's going to be having eye surgery here in another week. So I ask that you all continue uh, to keep all of our people in prayer, but also pray for this sister as she's preparing herself for surgery. Amen? With that, let us go before the Lord. God, how we thank thee and how we praise thee, how we bless thee, Lord God, for your blessings, Lord God, which have rained down upon us even this past week, even this morning. God, you have encamped angels about us. You've kept us from danger seen and unseen danger. God, how we thank thee, how we praise thee and bless thy holy name. God, you have been so good unto us, and we say thank you. Thank you, Lord God, for covering us. Thank you for watching over us in our uprising and our down sitting. Thank you, Lord God, how you've kept us as we've gone in and how we've come out, Lord God. Now, God, as we continue to bless and to praise your name, there are many, Lord God, some of the few names that we've mentioned this morning, but there are many who lay on beds of affliction. Those who are sick and shut in, Lord God, we pray even now that you would touch them, that you would reach from heaven, Lord God, and touch them with your finger of love, strengthen their bodies from the inside out, lift them from their bed of affliction, and send them on their way as a living testimony to your healing power. God, we ask a blessing upon those who are struggling right now, Lord God, those in the midst of financial difficulties, those who are having issues in relationships, those who are having issues with their children, Lord God, those who are uncertain about what tomorrow will bring. God, I pray right now that you would speak into their spirit and remind them that all things work together for the good of those who love the Lord and are called according to your purpose. God, we pray today that you would be with us. Forgive us of our sins. Forgive us of anything that we've done, Lord God, that's unbecoming of Christian men and Christian women. That our prayers be not hindered. Holy Spirit, you're welcome in this place today. Not only are you welcome, Lord God, we have an expectation that you would not only show up, but that you would speak unto your people in order that the Father would be glorified, the Son would be magnified. And because of the conviction and the unction of the Holy Spirit, we know your people will be edified. Now, God, we're in your care. Continue to have your way. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Let the people of God say, amen, 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 amen. Come on and give God a hand, praise. Grab your Bibles and stand with us. Grab your Bibles and stand with us. And we are closing out a series that we have been doing for the last month, the last month, from 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13. And I want to read verse 6 and 7 in the A portion of verse 8. The A portion of verse 8. I'm reading from the King James Version of the Bible. 
And it reads as follows, rejoiceth not, we're speaking about love, in iniquity, but rejoiceth in the truth. Love beareth all things, believeth all things, hopeth all things, endureth all things. The A portion of verse 8 says, love never fails. Hmm. From those two verses in the A portion of verse 8, as we have continued over the last month, under the guise, under the header of love, it's more than a four-letter word. want to conclude today with this theme, just let it do what it do. Just, just let it do. I'm going back to my roots in the South. Just let it do what it do. Just let it. If I was in Camden, South Carolina, I would say, just let it do what it do. If I was in Alabama, I would say, just let it do what it do. If I was in Crowley, Louisiana, where my father-in-law is from, I'd just say, just let it do what it do. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord, just let it do what it do. Amen. For the past month, we have been dealing with love. And not love from a husband and or wife perspective, but love as it pertains to the kingdom at large. Several weeks ago, we dealt with 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through 3, where Paul is making these illustrations and comparing behavior that many who were in the Corinthian church thought was commendable. Paul says it was nothing. And we dealt with several weeks ago, nothing from nothing leaves nothing. We came back and we dealt with verse 4 where the Bible says, Love suffereth long in its kind. Love envieth not. Love vaunted not itself. Is not puffed up. And we dealt with seeing is believing. In other words, how love behaves is an indication of what love actually is. And then we came back and dealt with verse 5. Verse 5 the Bible says, love does not behave itself unseemly, seeketh not her own, is not easily provoked, and thinketh no evil. We dealt with it is what it is. And today, the Bible gives us another indication of how love behaves and reacts the New Living Translation of this verse says, Love, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. Love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. We have, family, for the past month, examined, evaluated, and explored a plethora of actions that are either indicative of love or conflicting with the characteristics of love. 
And as we have identified early on, this chapter, though it has been assigned to married couples specifically, this is not what is being discussed as it pertains to the context of what the Apostle Paul is describing. And though I agree these behaviors ought to exist in every marriage between a husband and a wife, I believe that these behaviors ought to be front and center if you desire to have a holy matrimony that is built upon the foundation of who God is and how God operates, the fact of the matter is the focus and the activity that's being directed in these verses is for every man, for every woman, for every girl, and for every boy who proclaims that Jesus Christ is Lord of your life. If you have professed Jesus as Lord, you should, you must, and you have to adhere to the admonition of God by way of his prophet, the Apostle Paul, the Apostle who was describing for us what does love look like. If you did not have a Webster's Dictionary, and yet you were trying to define or describe the behaviors of love, all you would have to do is read 1 Corinthians chapter 13, verse 1 through verse 7, where Paul is very vivid and descriptive about how love ought to operate. And it's sad to say that even in the body of Christ, it appears that we don't understand the expectations that God has for us. It is interesting because if you were to assess the behavior, even of the modern day church, it would leave you feeling empty and lost as it pertains to how love operates in the kingdom. That is the reason people are leaving churches in droves. That is the reason there are multitudes finding another way to attempt to connect with God. Because they show up in church and though you look nice and you say the right things and there's an atmosphere there of stained glass windows and nice pews. But the fact of the matter is love appears to be missing from the equation. Because if love is there, you're not concerned with how people dress when they come to church. If love is there, you're not concerned that if a mother drags in her three or four kids and there's no husband to be seen, how you interact and or deal with her. You're not concerned if love is present when somebody comes up and they have to get dropped off by Uber or love because that's the only transportation that they have. You're not concerned that they don't come into the church with a leather-bound Bible and a big hat and a nice silk scarf around their neck. The fact of the matter is, this is a hospital for sick folk. And as long as people are willing to come into the hospital in order that they might interact and engage with the real 
doctor who is Jesus Christ, we ought to love them enough to welcome them into the body of Christ. Mm. Sad that even the body of Christ, it appears that love has been replaced with skepticism. That love has been replaced with doubt. That love has been replaced with self-centeredness, just to name a few. The church, as Paul declared to young Timothy in 1 Timothy chapter 4, verse 12, don't let anyone think less of you because of the fact that you're young. He tells Timothy to be an example to all the believers in what you say, in the way you live, in your love, in your faith, and your purity. The question which begs to be asked and answered, family, is what kind of example are you before the kingdom of God? Do you love people that you know and reject people that you don't? don't? Do you love people who look like you, sound like you, are from the same side of the track as you, have a similar background that you do? Are you willing to accept all those who say, I need a change in my life? I'm going to love you enough to accept you into the fold because the Bible tells me that I'm to proclaim the gospel, but that Jesus will do the separate of the goats and of the sheep. And let me just drop this in your spirit. There are some people that have been in church for a very, 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 very long time. And the fact of the matter is they're just on the edge of going toward the goats versus going toward the sheep. But the fact of the matter is that when you begin to love people out of the abundance of grace, that God has placed in you understanding the fact that God loved you even when you were unlovable even when you were unlovely that God reached out to you who are you to hold over somebody else's head how they ought to behave and act in the kingdom love is more than a four letter word just let it do what it do. If I was in the South, if I was in Alabama, if I was in Carolina, if I was in Georgia, and I was preaching this message and I said, family, just let it do what it do. There's no doubt in my mind that somebody would inevitably stand up and say, pastor, what it do? And I would tell them the first thing that it do is that it rejects and it rejoices. Hmm. The Bible says in verse 6, love, it does not rejoice in wrongdoing, but rejoices with the truth. If I was to say, just let it do what it do, and they say, what it do, pastor, I would say it rejects and 
it rejoices. Love does not rejoice or celebrate or cheer on or in iniquity. Adakia is the word in the Greek. Love takes no pleasure in wrongness, Minister Harris. It takes no pleasure in incorrectness, Minister King. It takes no pleasure in unrighteousness, Minister Parker, or evil. Love derives no enjoyment in the unrighteousness and sin of others. It does not feed upon sin and wrong, nor does it travel or focus on or go in on people who've had some failures, who've had some disappointments, who's had some periodic collapses in their lives. Mankind's nature is often fed by the tragedy of evil. All you got to do is turn on the news on any given day and you will see monumental failures of all sorts and all kind. Whether they are personal failures or whether they are those that have been brought on by weather conditions, etc. All you hear is death and destruction. There are some people who sit back and revel in the fact that bad things are happening to people. There are some people that sit back and they echo the comments of, I knew it was just a matter of time. I knew there was something about them that I did not like. I knew that there was something in their spirit that just didn't seem appropriate. But the fact of the matter is, we're not to revel. We're not to celebrate in wrongdoing. We're to reject that behavior and that mindset. As a matter of fact, when you see people who are struggling, when you see people who are downtrodden, when you see people acting in a way that is antithetical to the way, to the will, to the word of God, it ought to make you go in to your prayer closet and close the door and bend down on your knees and be reminded of what the Bible says in 2 Chronicles chapter 7 verse 14. The Bible says, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and I will forgive their sin and I will heal their land. Isn't it interesting that God does not say if the world would humble themselves, if the world which are called by my name, he says it is his own people who are failing. It is his own people who are derelict in their duties. It's his own people who are coming up short, but no more, but no more. I'm just going to let love do what it do. And the fact is, I ought not to rejoice in iniquity. I'm not to cheer on wrongdoing. I'm not to encourage people to go against the grain of God. I don't care how close they are. I don't care how much of a friend they are. If I see them doing wrong, I'm expected by God to say something. 
Love family rejects celebrating wrongdoing. But not only does it reject, it rejoices. But it rejoices in truth. <laughs> yeah, the Bible says love rejoices when truth is evident. When truth is known. When truth prevails. It rejoices when others have stayed the course and operated in an uncompromising way. Love rejoices when the truth is rooted and grounded in other people. When love behaves courageously, when love behaves bravely, when love is daring, when love is gutsy, when love is spirited, when love is bold, and it's able to face circumstances and situations without falling apart because it is aware that truth always wins. When you begin to speak truth to power, you take away the power that exists in the other person, in the situation, in the circumstance. All you got to do is know and understand that God expects that we would speak truth in the midst of all situations and let's just be real for a moment there are church folk that have grown accustomed they have become experts in splitting hairs over that which is true and that which is false let me say it another way there are some people within the church that have literally walked a fine line between that which is true and that which is fake. Let, let me say it another way. There are some people in the body of Christ that don't really understand that which is authentic and that which is counterfeit. Okay, let me just break it all the way down and put the rubber on the road. There are some folk in church that are flat out liars. They lie every chance that they get. They lie on people. They lie about their situation. They lie about their circumstance and the fact of the matter is is that God expects because the Holy Spirit is dwelling in us that there ought to be some truth that is derived from the Spirit of God being in our lives in other words God expects God has an expectation and a desire that you would be truthful in all of your endeavors is there anybody listening and you own a business but you have a way of manipulating the numbers in order that they favor you that's not godly is there anybody in here that gives a tip to the church but on your taxes you claim that you gave a tithe that is manipulative is there anybody in here that's shacking up with somebody but declaring that that's your fiance but you're living in separate quarters that is manipulative. That's a lie. The Bible says in Zechariah chapter 8 verse 15 through 17 that the people of God
God are obligated to speak that we ought to operate in truth. The Bible says, but now I am determined to bless Jerusalem and the people of Judah. So don't be afraid, but this is what I, I must do. You must tell the truth to each other. So don't be afraid, just tell the truth. The Bible says, render verdicts in your courts that are just and that lead to peace. The Bible says, don't scheme against each other. Stop your love of telling lies that you swear are the truth. But then God sums it up this way. He says, I hate all these things, says the Lord. God hates a liar. He hates somebody that misleads. He hates somebody that misrepresents themselves. If you a trip, just say you a trip. If you're shallow, just stand in three feet of water until God can take you over to the deep end. But stop lying. Stop manipulating. Stop splitting hairs. Stop trying to convince some folk that you're one thing when you're not. Just let love do what it do. It rejects and it rejoices. The Bible says love, it does not rejoice at wrongdoing, mm, but rejoices with the truth. Mm. Just let it do what it do. What it do, Pastor? It literally rejects and it rejoices. But it also bears and it believes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's right there in your Bible. Verse 7, part A says, love bears all things, believes all things. Paul stated that love beareth all things in the King James Version. The word beareth is derived from the word stego, in the Greek, which means to cover, to protect, to put a roof over something, or to conceal the errors and faults of others. Hmm. This is not family to imply that you're not operating in the reality or failings of some. However, love covers up and conceals the faults and problems of others. Love does not flaunt others' failures before them and before others. Love refuses to magnify, to amplify, and to enlarge the frailties of others. It takes into consideration that if it were not for the grace of God, there go I. Love does not avenge wrongdoing. It does not look at people and declare I'm going to expose them because they've done me wrong. Love goes in and it covers up the situation and allows God to deal with it. It is not concealing it as if it does not exist or that it did not happen, but the person understands that 
that is operating in love, it does me no good to expose them that way. Peter said it this way in 1 Peter chapter 4, verse 8, most important of all, most important of all, more important, most important of all is that we continue to show deep love for each other. Why? Because love covers a multitude of sins. It does not cover one or two sins, but it covers a multitude of sins. Paul stated that love not only bears all things, but it believes all things. Because love always gives the benefit of doubt. Hmm. It's always willing and ready to believe the best about people. Some of us are so skeptical of others that we have a mindset that they're going to do something wrong. We're just waiting in the shadows to see what it is. But because love bears all things and believes all things, love always believes that the best is yet to come. That even when people are living beneath the privileged potential in which the word of God says they can, love believes that God is going to turn them around. It is the mindset that is found in Luke chapter 15 where the Bible tells us there are two brothers and they have a father who is relatively wealthy. The Bible says that the younger son goes to his father and says, listen, dad I ain't heard you coughing and I ain't heard you sneezing and you seem to be in a relatively good health and sound mind and therefore I don't want to wait until you die in order to get my inheritance so why don't you just divvy up to me what you owe me now and I can start living the life that I want to live the young people would say living his best life his best life on his father's dime and the bible said that the father divvied up his belongings to both of his sons the elder son and the younger son the bible says that the son went off and lived riotously the bible said that he spent all of his money the bible said that he had friends and influence when he had money in his pocket but the bible tells us that the money ran out and he had nowhere to go and he was sleeping in a pig slop. He got so hungry that even the food that the pigs ate looked appetizing unto him. And the Bible says he began to have some critical talk with himself. Don't you know that when love bears all things and believes all things, you have to pray that people will start having a conversation with themselves. The Bible says he began to talk to himself and he said that there are hired hands in my father's house that's living better than I am. The Bible says he came to himself. The Bible says he declared unto himself, I'm going to go back to my father and I'm going to tell him, you don't even have to recognize me as your son. All you got to do is just treat me like one of the hired servants.
servants. But when love bears all things and believes all things, every day the father would go out on the front porch. Every day in the afternoon, in the cool of the day, his servants must have come by and say, Daddy, what you doing? Master, what you looking for? And he say, I'm just looking. I'm just looking. Nothing specific. Nothing particular. I'm just sitting here resting my bones in the cool of the day. And he did it day after day after day. The Bible does not tell us how long he went out and looked. But one day down the dusty road from his house, the Bible says he saw an image coming toward him. All you got to do is read your Bible with a little bit of imagination. The Bible said the walk looked familiar. The Bible said the clothes looked familiar. The Bible said that when the person got so far that the father didn't wait for the person to get all the way to the front porch, but the father jumped up and began to go toward the figure that was coming toward him. And as he went, he discovered, that's my baby, that's my boy, that's my son, because love believes all things. Every day that he sat on the porch, every day that he looked out, he believed that his son would eventually come home. Son didn't have to come ring the doorbell. Son didn't have to come and make an announcement. All he had to do was come to himself. But the father believed that he would eventually come to himself. Love family bears all things and it believes all things. I know it's difficult to forget how people have wronged you. I know it's difficult to forget how they've talked about you. I know it's difficult to forget how they used you and abused you. It's difficult to forget how dismissive they were of your gifts and of your talents. But when you operate in love, you just believe the best in people. The Bible tells us that Jesus said on the cross, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. The Bible tells us if a brother or a sister trespass against thee seven times in a day, and seven times in a day they repent and ask for forgiveness, the Bible says you forgive them. It's hard to forgive people that hurt you. But the question is, how long are you going to hold on to that animosity? Hard to forgive people. That's made you cry. But the question is, how long are you going to hold on to that bitterness? It's hard to forgive people who threw you under the bus. But the question is, how long are you going to hold on to that enmity? It's difficult to talk about and to forgive people who slandered you, but they talked about you so bad to everybody that you knew, drug your name in the mud. But the question is, how long are you going to hold on to that grudge? How can you love when you keep looking back? When God is expecting you to move forward. 
Just let it do what it do. What it do, preacher? It rejects and it rejoices. It bears and it believes. But then here's the last one in 7b. It hopes all things, endures all things. William Barclay says, hope, love always hopes in everything and all things. Even those things that appear impossible that you're unable to substantiate and or validate. Love never ceases to hope. Love operates with an expectation that good will eventually triumph and gain victory. Love refuses to accept failure at face Value. It always hopes for the best and for the ultimate triumph of good, no matter how far a person has fallen, no matter how tragic the fall may be, no matter how difficult gaining the victory may appear, love operates with optimism and confidence. There are mothers that have raised many of us that had hope that one day we get ourselves together. Yeah, if they had given up the first time we did something foolish, if they had given up the first time we made a monumental mistake, if they had given up the first time we failed to do things the way they wanted, there would have been no hope for us. But the fact of the matter is they kept hoping and they kept hoping and they kept hoping. Somebody has said if there's hope in the future, there's power in the present. If I can hope that tomorrow will be better than today, that gives me the power to keep striving today. That gives me the strength to get up and to go out with a smile on my face and some movement in my limbs. That gives me the opportunity to literally allow God to use me in a way that's pleasing unto him because I'm expecting that something good, that something great is going to take place. Pessimism, cynicism, doubt and distrust are all opposites of hope. Hmm. There are many people, even in the church, that get up every day not expecting anything good is going to take place. As a matter of fact, they get up every day believing in their mind that something bad is going to happen, and they're just trying to maneuver through the landmines. That's not operating hope, that's operating with a pessimistic attitude and mindset. The Bible did not give us a spirit of fear, of doubt, of distrust, of pessimism. God gave us a spirit of power, love, and a sound mind. You have to operate in the power of God. Can you imagine the stress and the strain 
that must exist in the mind and in the person of somebody who's always waiting for the proverbial shoe to drop. And we wonder why there is so many dysfunctional people around us on a regular basis. Why is there so many people acting hopeless and so many people with their heads hung down when God has given you the ability to live another day with power and with authority? Love always has a way of hoping. These people have difficulty functioning. These people have difficulty trusting. These people have difficulty progressing because they have no hope. But let that not be said of the people of God. The Bible says we hope all things. I believe that my best years are ahead of me, not behind me. Though God blessed me back there and God kept me back there, I believe that God has even better things planned for me just up the road and around the bend. Is there anybody that understands that your best years are ahead of you? Why? Because I know more about God now than I've ever known about him. I'm more committed to God now than I've ever been committed in my whole life. That means that God is leading me and pushing me and driving me somewhere else. But you've got to have some some patience and take comfort in knowing that God got you. Why? Because we, God is love and love is in us. But you got to let it do what it do. Love hopes in all things. But not only does it hope in all things, it holds in all things. Somebody say, Pastor, well, I don't see hold. I see endure. I don't see hold. But this word here for endure is a military term and it means to hold fast and not allow the enemy to advance on you. Yeah, love hopes, but love holds. You got to have some patience and some comfort while you're waiting on God to turn your situation around. This tells me, family, that people who have no hope have not spent time in their Bible. They're not reading the Word of God. They're not meditating on the Word of God. They're not studying the Word of God. Well, how do you know, preacher? Because if they were, they would have some patience and they would have some comfort. Because the Bible says, and we're closing, in Romans chapter 15, verse 4, for whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning, that we through patience, that we through patience, that we through patience and comfort of the scriptures might have 
have hope. Well, guess what? The more I read the Word of God, the more hope I have. I have patience and comfort because if God can do it for David, God can do it for me. If God can deliver Rahab, God can deliver me. If God can feed Elijah, God can feed me. Is there anybody that is watching? Is there anybody that is listening? Is there anybody in the house of God? Is there anybody in the kingdom that can declare that the more I read God's word, the more hope I have? If Peter can walk on water, then so can I. If God can raise up people that are dead, guess what? I'm a living testimony. I once was dead, but now I'm alive forevermore. The same as my Savior. My spirit was dead. My mind was dead. My attitude was dead. But Jesus came along and he quickened my spirit. And guess what? Dead things fell away. Dead things fell by the wayside. Dead things were placed behind me. And now I'm going to walk in the newness of this life, knowing that God has a plan for me. Love, it hopes. Love, it holds. It is not flimsy. It is not wishy-washy. Love is hupomeno. It means it endures. It endures. It stands against the attacks of the enemy. There are some people who have fallen by the wayside this year. There are some people who have not realized that God was keeping you in the midst of it all. But you have to know that love is strong, that love has fortitude, that love has stamina, and that it struggles against anything that is opposite of it, that tries to assault it, and pull it back in the other direction. Love conquers and triumphs because it is of God. No matter what attacks love, name or unnamed, love finds a way to endure the attack and continue to love. But finally in that A portion of verse 8, the Bible says, love never ends. Some of your translations will say, love never fails. And that's why, family, you can't give up in the midst of all that's going on around you. It's risky to love others because there are some people that will take advantage of your love. There are some people that will never ever show you the type of respect that you are deserving of because you have loved them through the midst of their foolishness and their situations. But you cannot give up. You cannot quit. You cannot throw in the towel because love is more than a four-letter word. You just gotta let it do what it do. It rejects and it rejoices. 
wishes. It bears and it believes. It hopes and it holds. That is why we are encouraged in Galatians chapter 6 verse 9 where the Bible declares unto us, let us not be weary in well-doing for in due season we will reap if we faint not. That is the reason we are prompted in 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse 58 therefore my beloved brethren be steadfast unmovable always abounding in the work of the Lord for as much as ye know your labor is not in vain in the Lord. That is why we are reminded in Romans chapter 8 verse 35 through 37 who shall separate us from the love of Christ shall tribulation shall distress shall persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword as it is written for thy sake we are killed all the day long we are accounted as sheep for the slaughter nay in all these things we are more 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 than conquerors through him that loved us but you got to learn how to love you got to love others even when they don't love you you got to love others even when they're unlovable you got to love others even when they're unlovely because you just gotta let love do what it do just let it do what it do stop trying to manage it stop trying to corral it stop trying to suppress it just let it do what it do what it do pastor it rejects and it rejoices. It does not celebrate wrongness. It rejects that. But it rejoices in truth. It rejects and it rejoices. It, 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 it literally beareth all things. It bears and it believeth all things. It holds up under the weight of scrutiny. It just covers with love because love covers a multitude of sins. It believes all things. It believes in the best in people. No matter how critical they are, no matter how foolish they act, love just keeps giving them another chance another chance and another chance. Somebody's going to say, well, Pastor, how, how many chances are we supposed to give them? How, how many chances has God given you? Remember one preacher one time said years ago that God is the God of a second chance. And immediately in my spirit, I cringed. Because if he was just the God of a second chance, I'd have been done within the first 30 days of being saved. But I thank God he is the God of another chance and another chance 
and another chance and another chance. Just let it do what it do. What it do, Pastor? It rejects and rejoices. It bears and it believes. Finally, it hopes and it holds. It hopes for the best, knowing the best is still yet to come. I ain't gonna always be sick. I ain't gonna always be broke. <laughs> I ain't gonna always be lonely. I believe God sees my plight and he knows the desires of my heart. So I'm hoping for the future. Hope is not defined the way we define hope in that it is a possibility. When the Bible talks about hope, it is an assurance. It's going to happen. It's going to happen. And I don't know about you, but every time I've been down, I have professed to God, I know you're going to bring me out, God. You did not bring me this far to leave me now. You're going to bring me out of this situation. I may not come out whole, But I'm coming out, I'm coming out, I'm coming out, I'm coming out. Hope. But then it also holds. It stands fast against attacks. It stands fast against attacks. The Sadducees and the Pharisees attacked Jesus because they saw love in him. They attacked him. And if they attacked him, guess what people are going to do to you? They're going to attack you, but all you got to do is just hold fast, just hold I'm going to hold on. I'm going to stand and having done all to stand, I'm going to keep standing. I'm going to keep standing. Not in my power, not in my strength, but in the power and the strength of the God that I serve. He has not brought me to drop me off this far. He has not forsaken me. Therefore, I can stand. I'm going to hold. But if you don't know Jesus as your Savior, if you do not know him as Lord of your life, as we stand around the church, I am telling you, we're speaking a foreign language to you today. <laughs> because you can't begin to fathom the love that we're describing, that we're defining. It's characterized by the God that we serve. Why would a loving God come down through 42 generations to die on a cross for you because he did because he loves you and because he wants you to have this opportunity to accept his love and to love him back if you're watching today and you don't know Jesus as your savior you're not accepting him in the pardon of your sins I'm telling you, I'm telling you, I'm telling you the best is yet to come if you're willing to accept him today Bow your heads with us. God, we thank you and praise you. We bless you for your blessings. There's somebody watching. There's somebody listening today who may not know you in the pardon of their sins, Lord God. They've not accepted you as Lord and Savior of their lives. And God, today, 
by way of the tugging of the Holy Spirit today by the fact that you're standing at the door knocking and the handle is on the inside today they have been softened in their spirit you have broken up the fallow ground of their hearts and now God Holy Spirit we pray that through repentance that they would confess even now that Jesus Christ is Lord. That they are but a sinner that is in need of your saving grace. That they repent of their wrongdoing, Lord God. They repent of their waywardness. They repent of the bitterness of their character. And today, Lord God, they're confessing that Jesus Christ is Lord. They're confessing, Lord God. They're believing in their heart that you've raised him from the dead. They are speaking these words even now. And because they have with sincerity and humility, with repentance, they have just stepped out of darkness into the marvelous light. Angels in heaven are rejoicing, and so are those who are of the kingdom. We thank you, God, for who you are. We thank you for what you do. We ask these and all blessings in Jesus, our Savior's name. Amen. Give God a hand praise. Listen, listen, listen to us. If you just prayed that prayer and you believed in your heart that God has come into your life, listen, we want to hear from you. We want to hear from you. That's just the first step. That's the first step. Now you got to get into a Bible teaching and preaching church in order that you might continue to grow in the things of God. For those of you who are local, we want to see you. A few more weeks, we'll be back together. Praise be to God. You have to sign up to come to Sunday service. Please reach out to Sister Lydia Haley Clark. You can go onto the website, shoot her an email, let her know that you desire to come. Also to our church family, this month, March, we're allowing people to come in and worship with us in small groups so we can prepare to come back in the month of April. We're going to come back. Resurrection Sunday, as I mentioned earlier, is the plan. We ask that you all continue to be in prayer about that, okay? Uh, also, don't forget, if you want to join us on Wednesday night Bible study, once again, reach out to Sister Lydia Haley Clark. She'll get you the information for Zoom. We'd love to have you on Bible study. We're going through principles of discipleship currently, and we'd love to have you be a part of that with us as well. Listen, family, in 2021, in spite of the antagonism, in spite of the attacks, and in spite of the alienation, we are determined, we're determined to be courageous, excuse me, to be strong and courageous. Listen, to be strong and courageous. Listen, we want to hear from you. Reach out to us, family. We love you. We'll see you next time. God bless you. On behalf of Pastor and First Lady Thomas, we want to thank you for joining us today. We pray that something was said or done that left you feeling strengthened and inspired throughout your week. And Mount Sinai family, while we're apart, we want to remind you there are three ways to bring our tithes and offerings through the website at mountsinaisanpedro.org. By mail to 225 South Mesa Street by dropping it off at the church. As a reminder, the safest way for drop off or mail is not with cash, but by check or money order. And at Mount Sinai, our desire is to go and make disciples of all nations baptizing in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit through conversion, discipleship, and mentorship. If you're joining us today and you're unsaved or unchurched, 
We pray that online service does not replace your local church. Reach out and connect with us or a church that's close to you where you can learn the Bible and grow in obedience and love for God while exercising your faith. Lastly, family, through 2021, let's remember to be strong and courageous.